1: Hey, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome back to another episode of State of the Steelers. I'm your Steel Curtain Network host, Daniel J. And today we're having we're gonna do a little continuation of what we were talking about last week, where we were talking about the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers defensive identity. Uh this week we're gonna be talking about, you know, what's the 2023 offensive identity gonna look like? Uh, last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of had, you know, a rushing identity, in my opinion, especially towards the uh, you know, second half of the season. It really seemed like it did pick up and, you know, was what was working for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is it going to stay the same? Is that what's going to be the majority of what we're going to see? We're going to get into all that and much more. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit of breaking news or, or news that has occurred since the last time that we spoke. Now, I know I mentioned this on the hangover with Shannon White last week, but congratulations again to Kenny Pickett and his uh, newly wife. Um, they got married last weekend. Congratulations. He just signed you know, the best and the longest contract of his life, uh, one for the remainder of his life. So our, our prayers to you and, and yours. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Also, you know what I've also been noticing in mainstream media or what the talking head, so to speak is that uh, there might be a little bit of a change when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've been kind of somewhat disrespected when it's come to power rankings, when it's come to positional rankings and things like that. And it seems like uh, there might be a little bit of a turn, even so that Colin Coward is naming the Pittsburgh Steelers as a sleeper, as are many of the talking heads. Are they finally seeing what? You know, us, Steeler fans, Black and Gold Faithful, we'll see, you know, coming together for the 2023, you know, season. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a head coach that can't lose and has not had a losing season. And despite what everybody says about his playoff record and, and you know, and the lack of playoff success in most recent years, um, what he's been able to do with what he's had has been... Far from uh, amazing, uh, in my opinion, I think you know Coach Tomlin should have had Coach of the Year in 2019 for a team that went through not just their starting franchise future home Fame quarterback, uh, but also lost their backup quarterback to not just his play, but also to injury late in the season as well, and also in the middle of the season. And Mason Rudolph, they had a concussion that knocked him out of one game, and you know didn't allow him to play in another. And then at the end of the season, he had a a serious shoulder injury. And so uh, when you, you know, the Steelers were still in contention for a playoff or a playoff position. Had Rudolph not gotten knocked out at the end of the season, many can debate that there's a good possibility that the Pittsburgh Steelers end up being that last, you know, seed in the playoffs and doing the unthinkable. But, you know, you look at what he was able to do after the fact with a, uh, you know, the, the you know, the Steelers were able to still, you know, become, you know, play off bound the following year um, with Ben Roethlisberger coming off with his elbow surgery and obviously not up to the standard that he was prior to. I mean, it, it wasn't just the elbow, but I mean, there was the mobility aspect and, um, you know, Ben, did he just didn't look like old Ben. and And I think I think everybody can agree to that. You know, he was still, he still had the juice. He still had the clutchness. He was still able to do many things at the end of games that a lot of quarterbacks couldn't do. He just didn't change who he was. And, you know, with that being said, the the Pittsburgh Steelers were playoff bound. And, you know, although they didn't make any noise and oftentimes injury played a huge role in those type of things, um, you know, just being in the dance and having an opportunity is an ac- an accomplishment. Uh, not to mention what, you know, in Ben's final season, what the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to do with that front offensive line. I mean, it, it dang near <laughs> got Ben killed, but, uh, you know, they did come together, so to speak. It, it took, you know, Kendra Green getting out of the starting lineup, in my opinion for it to go in that direction and start to look like it was supposed to. And then some additions came after the uh, the season was over. But then you go into last season as well, You know, going down two and six, going into the bye, uh, looking you know, gloomy. It was going to be the first year that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to have a losing record. And they're able to turn it around. You know, go seven and two down the line and ding, you know, almost make. In the playoffs. Very close, very close. So, you know, you have Coach Tomlin, you have a young quarterback that showed promise. You know, in my opinion, he showed that he had the ability to win games at the end, towards the end of the season. Uh, you, you see what the Steelers were able to do with the offensive line, how they were able to draft a Broderick Jones and then acquired uh, Isaac Samalu. And, you know, acquired Darnell Washington, in my opinion, one of the biggest steals in the draft in the third round. I mean, you're starting to see where this team has got some possibility, and we're going to go over that. Now, um, one final thing that I did want to touch on was that, uh, before we get into the topic, was uh, Brad Spielberg of Pro Football Focus, PFF. I know how everybody feels about them, but he came out with an article on Wednesday stating that he believes he has found one former first-round pick that could play next to Holcomb in 2023 and significantly impact the Steelers' run defense. Uh, they believe that they, they should target a veteran linebacker Rashawn Evans, and I'm not against it. I just don't. I don't see how, you know, Rashawn Evans, um, is. I mean, granted, he's a fantastic player. He's got ability and skill. He's had some pretty pretty good high years uh, of a, of recently, especially where his accomplishments were um, were up there. But at the same time, I mean, he is a uh, veteran linebacker up there in age. And, you know, I'm not sure it's the off-ball linebacker position that is the, um, the biggest hole, so to speak. I think that the entire middle linebacker position is a question mark. And I think the Steelers knew that last season, which is why they overhauled the position, obviously. But, you know, the players that they brought in aren't, you know, aren't, aren't stars, so to speak. So I do see where adding a Rashawn Evans to the uh, linebacker group uh, would definitely bolster and bring this position up. I'm just not sure it's going to happen, but it, it's good thought, I guess. But let's get into the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers offensive identity. Now, for me, I think it's time for some splash. and I think it's time. Uh, To possess the ball and hold on to that ball and and dominate teams, you know Matt Canada's offense last year averaged eighteen point one points per game. That ranked the Steelers twenty six out of thirty two teams. You know, just for some perspective, when you look at the league leading Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles, the Steelers were eleven points per game behind them. Now that's a lot of making up to do when it comes to you know, thinking that this, you know, when you want this team to be part of the top echelon NFL offenses, right? So, you know, being 11 points down per game over a 17-game season, that's being outscored by 187 points. Now, if you're looking at those points and dividing those by six, you know, for touchdowns, that's 31 touchdowns uh, that the Steelers need to make up over a year to be in that top echelon group. Now, if you're looking at it by sevens, that's still tw- almost you know just shy of 27 touchdowns. That's a lot of points to put up on on, on you know on the board there, just to be in you know to catch up to the top tier. Now, obviously, you know what the defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers have—they don't really require an offense that needs to put up uh, this type of points. But you know when you compare. Um, you know where the Pittsburgh Steelers are currently to where the league-leading teams were last year. Uh, I mean, it's not good. So who's gone first? Mm-hmm. Benny Snell. He's more of a a, uh, a special teams type of guy, in my opinion. But you know, he did have some offensive uh, snaps. You know, he was a uh, he's a bruiser of a runner. So I think that's kind of where not so much the issue is. But when you have a Najee Harris, you're not going to give a Benny Snell that opportunity to wear down defenses in the manner that, you know, in in that Benny Snell football or Benny, Benny Snell football style of football. Right. And so Benny Snell, when he was doing his thing, it was over the course of an entire game. Najee Harris isn't going to allow that to happen. You know, last season. Benny Snell rushed 20 times for 90 yards, had a touchdown, was two for two on receptions for 17 yards. Uh, like I said, his biggest impact was mo- mainly on special teams. Another loss is uh, a Derek Watt. Again, another special teams ace, a captain on special teams. Offensively, last season he had 78 snaps uh, with nine runs for 21 yards. He was five for five on receptions for 11 yards, so not you utilized very deep uh, and wasn't, a you know, a threat with the ball in his hands, to be honest with you, whether it was on the ground or in, through the air. He did have a touchdown on the air and on the ground. But, you know, he's another guy that, or these two guys at least, is there still an opportunity to find themselves back on the team? Possibly uh, at the time of this recording, I don't believe either one of them has signed anywhere. And the last guy that, that the Steelers lost that showed some significant um, or showed some time on the offense was Steven Sims, wide receiver, who uh, is different than the other guys. He actually has signed with a team. He's now with the Texans. He's definitely going to be more missed with the special teams department. He outplayed and outperformed General Olszewski last season. General, actually, you know, a lot of people think or say that. And it's true that he cost the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, you know, that game against New England last year, which. You know, he don't fumble in those situations or in that situation on special teams and basically gives a touchdown to the opposition or to New England. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are probably in the playoffs last year. But, you know, there was more than that one play that did the Steelers in. It's just there is weight in many plays, and this was one of them. Um, but like I said, you know, Steven Sims, he was primarily played in the, you know, as a slot receiver. Um, playing 214 uh, snaps at the slot position uh, to 64 snaps at the wideout position. He had 22 targets, 14 receptions for 104 yards, 13 carries for 70. Uh, And those were like, I believe, like on jet sweeps type of screen type, uh, reverse type plays. And so um, I think he's probably going to be another guy that's going to be missed. The Steelers are going to look at, you know, um, who they have uh, as far as, Receivers go to fill in that slot receiver. And I think they're going to utilize the few different people uh, who have the Pittsburgh Steelers added this offseason that are going to be somewhat contributors to the offense. And, and they drafted Broderick Jones and Darnell Washington. Broderick Jones was drafted in the, uh, you know, number 14, the Pittsburgh Steelers moved up to 14 with the uh, New England Patriots. And I um, you know, you don't move up in the draft and select somebody of this pedigree and potential without anticipating starting them probably for fairly early. Now, do I think that Broderick Jones ends up being a starter day day one? Maybe not. There's a lot of hype or a lot of talk coming in about, uh, you know, Dan Moore right now, and and we'll get more into that position battle, you know, after the break when we we go into position groups. But Broderick Jones was added. Darnell Washington was drafted as well. Um, And I think these two guys are going to play some pivotal roles there on the offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers this season Uh, in free agency. You had offensive lineman, Isaac Sayamalu and Nate Herbig, both guys that have Philly ties have ties to Andy Weidel guys that are big, nasty and strong. You know, it looked like, in my opinion, when it comes to the uh, formation of this team, uh, you know, Andy Weidel has definitely left his fingerprints all over it Uh, in, in the wide receiver room. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers had acquired via trade for basically nothing Allen Robinson. And for me, I find him being that veteran wide receiver, that dependable guy, uh, that guy that can be a leader in the wide receiver room where there really isn't one, where there's just a lot of young guys. And I I know there's Deontay Johnson there in that room. However, Deontay Johnson isn't a guy that, you know, from my understanding, unless it's, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky and halftime against the uh, Jets, he's not a guy that's going (laughs) to. Get in anybody's face or or rah-rah anyone, right? Um, you know, he's a guy that's a little bit more quiet and to himself, from my understanding. And so, you know, having an Allen Robinson, he kind of reminds me of that Jericho Kotri guy, kind of, you know, wide receiver, dependable veteran, leader, um, can lead by example, things of that nature. And then, yeah, I put I put Calvin Austin in the added group because I think he's really going to have an impact this season, uh, as long as, you know, health, he, he stays healthy. But, and you know, he didn't take a single snap last year. So, I, you know, he's a guy that is kind of like uh, an extra fourth-round pick, so to speak, because the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't get a chance to see what they had in this young man. And all accounts, it seems like, you know, his speed is back. Um, the foot injury didn't take anything away from him in that aspect. Uh, we're going to just have to see if it translates to – you know, on the field and against a different opponent. You know, last season there was a lot of rumors coming out that, you know, leading up to the first preseason game, while, you know, the team was in training camp and whatnot, that Calvin Austin was having himself a camp. And, unfortunately, a foot injury occurred, required surgery, ended his season. I think he's going to be a good, you know, person to – or a good player for this team. And I think the Steelers are going to count on him a little bit on, on some special teams work. Uh, if so, I think that could could shake up that wide receiver room. And like I said, we'll talk about that room also when we break down position groups after the break. Which it's about right now, so don't go anywhere. We're going to take a few words from our sponsors. Uh, when we get back, we're going to break down position groups and talk more about the identity of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense in 2023. You won't look my way.
0: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. Hey,
1: check it out. You made it to the other side. Welcome back to State of the Steelers, where today we're talking about the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers offensive identity prediction, so to speak. Uh, but before we get back into it, I do got, I want to remind you guys, on Mondays, 5 p.m. Eastern, live on YouTube, Steel Current Network, Myself, Shannon White, we do a show called The Hangover. Uh, It airs out a little bit later on on Monday night on the audio only side. So, you know, if you just want to listen to us on a cruise or whatnot or put us in your pocket um, and put a headphone in. And I understand, um, you know, that'll come out later on on Monday nights. But if you want to catch it live, go to YouTube, search Stooker Network, hit subscribe, uh, ring that notification bell. And check us out on Monday. You'll actually get to see what I look like. You will put a face to my voice, so to speak. And uh, it's a good time. But if you're not also checking out the other podcasts that are coming out, go do so. What are you waiting? What are you waiting on? I mean, you have Jeff Hartman, you have uh, Brian Anthony Davis, Dave Schofield that all do their own respective independent podcasts that air on Jeff case You know, air a couple times a week. Um, bro, uh, big bro, or my big bro, my bad. Dave Schofield has the uh, Stag Geek, which comes out on I believe Tuesday nights, and then um, you know, you also have uh, Brian Anthony Davis and Bad Language. Uh, don't forget Jeremy Betts and, and his um, podcast. I was just with him on the uh, Q and A. So if you haven't checked that one out, that was an fantastic conversation him and i had that was last sunday but go back and check it out you you can check it out on the audio only side you can also check it out on youtube without further ado let's get back into the discussion so let's break down the position groups of the offense and kind of we'll kind of see where um where we think that the Pittsburgh Steelers might be leaning on what they're going to be doing on last season or this upcoming year. So first let's talk about the running backs. I think that the running backs this year with Najee Harris and, and um, and Jalen Warren, uh, they're going to be a dynamic one-two punch. You know, when you look at what Najee Harris was able to do last year, yeah, granted he had a uh, struggling first part of the season, but, you know, as he became healthier, because you got to remember, he also had a foot injury as well. Uh, Liz Frank's brain, I believe, required a metal plate in his shoe. And so that was slowing him down. Plus, I think he got into his own head and then he started to see some of the, uh, you know, and this is just my speculation and opinion. Maybe perhaps he started to see Jalen Warren pulling off some big runs and and doing some things. Uh, I think all those things played a role as into why Najee Harris maybe perhaps stumbled early on. But as he as he got healthier, the yards continued to come in and he ended up with over a thousand yards last season, which I know a lot of people will say in a 17 week season, that's not a lot. But in today's NFL, there's not very many, you know, bell cow running backs. And there was many times that Najee wasn't playing full games or. Or didn't participate in many majority of the game while he was dealing with that foot injury early on, in the you know early in the uh, the season, you know especially when games got a little bit far out of hand. I can remember Buffalo being one of them where, uh, you know, they just didn't put him back in. Now, when it comes to Jalen Warren, um, he, this dude's looking jacked already. I think he's ready to to improve off of his 4.9 yards per attempt and his one touchdown that he got last year. Uh, I think he's ready to take a another step and 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 take on some more responsibility. You know, he talked earlier uh, this season in, in in interviews how he wanted to improve his pass blocking ability. And so you know, and that was one thing that I thought he already did fairly fairly well. So uh, I'm looking forward to this one-two punch. I know there's a lot of conversation going on about the third running back. Uh, you know, I think it's probably going to be ant Mack. He has the uh, draft pedigree. He was a guy the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted. Um, He's got some speed to him. He's got that next, you know, he's got that uh, home run ability. And so I think he might be, Anthony McFarland might be a guy that still ends up staying on the team. But uh, regardless, I think that the uh, one-two punch between Najee and Jalen Warren is, is looking pretty good, pretty good. Now, as far as the wide receiver group, well, let's talk about who's there first and foremost. You know, you got seven guys, in my opinion, that are fighting for a roster spot. You have, uh, well, maybe not so much fighting for a roster spot. You have, you know, uh, Allen Robinson, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, guaranteed. I think you can also throw in Calvin Austin, guaranteed, into that. And so uh, that's four. In my opinion, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are keeping six. So then you have Miles Boykin, Hakeem Butler, and Gunnar Olszewski fighting for that. You know, that's going to be three dogs with two bones type of situation, in my opinion. Now, this is where it gets a little bit interesting because you have Miles Boykin, Hakeem Butler, you have, um, you know, um, George Pickens. These are guys that are really long, tall, bigger guys, right? Uh, It really seems like the Steelers are trying to overpower, overmuscle the opposition by having, you know, addressing this room here with such bigger guys. Last season, the Pittsburgh Steelers, like we mentioned, the identity was running the ball. So, you know, if the Steelers end up keeping like, you know, Hakeem Butler and they end up keeping Miles Boykin and, uh, uh, you know, George Pickens is still there, obviously. Does that indicate that maybe perhaps the Steelers are still going to consider continuing to have that identity as a run first team? Maybe. Maybe so. Now, which one ends up losing the job? I think that that all boils down to Calvin Austin and his ability to be a returner. I think if he can return the ball and show that he is not just capable, but dependable and reliable and, in catching and maintaining possession of the ball on kicks and punts, I think that's going to end up being the deciding factor on Gunnar Olszewski. You know, I don't think he brought much when it came to the offensive uh, room. And, you know, being a former Pro Bowl specialist, you know, he was brought here to do one thing. And as I mentioned, you know, at the top of the show, he struggled in that department and ended up, you know, costing the Pittsburgh Steelers a game. And so I think that it, it boils down to Calvin Austin, in my opinion. Um It'll, it'll definitely be um, a fight and a battle, so to speak, in that room for that position. Now, we'll go on to the next one or the next position, but I'll be honest with you. Like, it kind of throws a wrench into what I was just saying right now. Hey, the Steelers are going big. That means they're going to run the ball more, and that's the tight end room. And the reason why I think this is going to throw a wrench is because last season the Pittsburgh Steelers kept three tight ends and a fullback. Well, Derek Watt not coming back uh, might be an indication that the Pittsburgh Steelers might be considering keeping three or, or four tight ends in that situation. You know, if you take Derek Watt out of, uh, you know, you add Derek Watt to the tight end room, it's exactly the same. And I think you're looking at Derek Watt's replacement that's Connor Hayward. You know, he's a guy that's not really a, uh, you know, I don't think he specializes in blocking. That's not his, you know, niche, so to speak. Now I think he has phenomenal hands. I think he's, uh, he's got some ball ma- uh, playmaking abilities with the ball in his hand, you know, uh, whether it's running or after the catch. And so I think they're going to utilize him as a Swiss Army knife type of player and take over that Derek Watt role. And so, you know, for me, I think that might be an indication that the Steelers might be moving on to maybe, you know, not so fast when it comes to being so pound the pound the rock, so to speak. Uh, but like I said, I think that there's could be some points or some clues here that might indicate not so quick on just running. Also, you have. Washington now Washington Darnell Washington is a guy that's got some size that you can't teach right and strength you can't teach he's been known as a six offensive lineman he's the guy that can you know go in there and be that offensive lineman and make defenses stay honest you know one of the things that is obvious when the Steelers would throw in a, a lineman eligible is that more unlikely they were going to run, and if they didn't run and they were going to pass because they had a lineman out there, that's one less passing route that you have to worry about, right? And in years past, when you had you know Ben Roethlisberger, you know him running the ball was another aspect of the uh, you know the offense that you weren't expecting that you didn't have to worry about, thus making you know this team a little bit predictable over the years. So having a Darnell Washington throws a wrench into that because when he comes in, he can run routes, he can catch the ball and can be explosive with it. And so you can't just say, Oh my god, you know, here comes Darnell Mountain Washington. They're running the ball. Nah, they gotta they gotta stay honest and, and cover him. And I'm excited about it. Now, the next room I'm gonna talk about is the O-line. Isaac Samalou in, Dotson out. You know, I'll be honest with you. You know, Dan Moore and Kevin Dotson were kind of po- both put in a similar situation where their position was addressed this offseason. One was for free agency, one was through the draft. I understand with Dan Moore's situation, you know, having a um, you know player drafted behind you is an indication that it's only a matter of time, and especially that high, as I mentioned before, and having to move up in the first round. It's just a matter of time before that person is taken over your spot, but that you're still getting the benefit of the doubt of having that, you know, being the starter come uh, the start of training camp. And in my opinion, Dan Moore has, you know, put in the work. He's transformed his body. Apparently he's lost. Um, he looks thinner, but is heavier. So he's gained muscle, lost fat. And uh, apparently is coming in phenomenal shape, ready to take on the challenge that is uh, Broderick Jones. Kevin Dodson, not so much. Now I get it. You know when you and he said it too in one of his interviews that you know when you hand somebody that much money, you don't you know, and they have the uh, resume that they have, you, they're not gonna sit. Now I'll be honest with you, his statements have been a little Devin Bushish talking about business and next year perhaps not being on the team and looking at next year and looking at not being on the team man the training camp hasn't even started and you're looking forward to another team next season I don't think that's just you know it's not the it's not what you expect you expect some fight you expect more like this person isn't going to take my position from me I'm going to you know, make the Steelers regret addressing this because I am the better person. It was a waste of time and money. And that's not the fight that you're getting. It's more of a like, woe is me. It is what it is. I'll be somewhere else next year. And I don't like it. Now, the last position group that we're going to talk about, obviously, obviously is the quarterback room. Now, Mason Rudolph, and we'll start off with number three, Mason Rudolph coming back to the team, I think was huge. You know, last season, in the playoffs everybody saw um, what what happened with the 49ers and their situation at the quarterback position and this year the NFL has addressed that they're going to allow the you know the uh, NFL teams to carry on a third quarterback dressed and not affect the roster so to speak and so uh, Mason Rudolph coming back that's you know if there's a guy that you want in that position that's him you know Mitch Trubisky signing an extension was huge too you know that in my opinion, that just kind of solidifies this room. It, it brings um, some consistency and I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I thought that, you know, Mitch Trubisky would be out of here at the end of this past season and, and wouldn't be looking back. You know, I didn't think that he could potentially have the Charlie batch in him, so to speak. And I was wrong. I was dead wrong. You know, uh, and I'm happy to be wrong. I think he is, Probably one of the top, if not the top backup quarterback in the NFL. It's a guy that you want. He's a guy that plays a similar style to Kenny Pickett, a guy that has some legs and wheels that can move around that, you know, if Kenny Pickett were to go down for, you know, a short amount of time or a game or two, you're not uh, having to uproot the entire offense. You know, he's not a statue, so to speak, like a Mason Rudolph. You know, he's who you want there and leading the pack, you know, the guy, in my opinion, Kenny Pickett, a guy that, like I mentioned before, showed that he does have, you know, something is, is, does he have the cannon of a Mahomes? No, there's only a few people that do and uh, even fewer that can control it. I mean, how many, how many, how many quarterbacks do you hear have a gun A Brady Quinn, uh, uh, Malik Willis, uh, you know, the list can go on. There's only a few guys that have that gun and that, you know, are successful and can control it, right? Or that cannon on that arm. So he doesn't have that. Um, and does he have the Michaels, Michael Vick speed or, or the Lamar Jackson? No, no. But he, I don't think he needs to do that. I and mean, what we, what I saw last year out of his game was when he was moving in the you know, moving around, it was more so to throw the ball down the field versus trying to create something with his legs only, right? It felt like he was just kind of creating time. Now, when there was nothing being created down the field, and then he took off on his legs and he had the ability to get down the field. He reminds me so much um, of a right-handed Steve Young in that aspect, you know, a guy that has some pocket presence that can move around, that's agile and, and you know, shifty and can do some damage in the open field, but isn't a burner, so to speak. So, you know, that's kind of my where I see him at right now is what he could be. Um, you know, I like what he did last season. Obviously, he, he needs to bring up the touchdowns. Uh, he minimized the interceptions. Majority of the picks that he had were early on. Uh, against some very stout teams with little preparation. And what I mean by that is um, he stated that he really didn't have too many conversations with Matt Canada prior to him starting against uh, the Buffalo Bills or that week leading up to the Buffalo Bills. And uh, he didn't have that communication with him. You know, prior to that, the Pittsburgh Steelers were doing everything they possibly could to get Mitch Trubisky ready to be the guy. I don't think that it was ever in the plans for the Steelers last season Um, that they were going to throw in Kenny Pickett at any point, much less when they did. But they did, and the rest is history. I think the quarterback room is in great shape. If Kenny Pickett can, you know, stay healthy and limit those concussions, uh, I, I think the Steelers may have gotten a guy. But only time will tell him. We'll see what he's able to do. Now, all this being said and all these positions being addressed and, these players put on board, it really does come down to the offensive coordinator and the game plan in Matt Canada. Uh, I think there needs to be a, a, you know, improvement in the splash play uh, area, right? And I think Canada knows this. So I expect when it comes to the identity to go full circle uh, is to have more risk and have more splash perhaps move from just being a running team to more of a balanced team with an emphasis on the splash play opportunity, you know, the play action pass, the deep shots down the field, things of that nature. Cause I don't think Canada can have an average year, you know, the Steelers let go of their offensive coordinator after he's, you know, the Steelers offense scored 42 points in a divisional playoff game. We're top 10 in points, top three in yards, and they still let, you know, Todd Haley go. He didn't win the playoff game. They lost to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017, but those were that's where the offense ranked in 2017. You know, Canada is going to need to put more than just 18.1 points from last season. And so I think Canada knows this. He knows what that they will move on from him. So I think that he's going to have to put up more points, more splash. So I wouldn't I would would suspect that this playbook is going to open up this year. Uh, Because if not, and they have an average year, even if they make the playoffs, they don't come. You know, they they're not successful in the playoff appearance. I think Matt Canada is gone now. The Steelers make a playoff appearance. They win. You know, I, I don't think they need to be at 30 points a game. I think if they can get to about 24, 25 points a game, you know, add a touchdown on top of that 18 points. I think then, you know, I think everybody as reluctant as they probably want to say it would be pleased enough to have can return knowing that. And hey, maybe there is some upside and maybe maybe this is just the beginning and the trajectory is starting to go in that upper position. But that's all I got for you guys today. I want to thank you all for staying Stay tuned to the end of it for all you guys that listen to the end. I'll be back on Monday on the hangover. That being said, we'll see you then. Peace out.